Welcome to Volpreneur Podcast Channel. My very special guest today is Victoria Vivas Kong, who's an international best-selling author of a Mat- In a Matter of Seconds. She's a healing and shaman teacher, a spiritual leader, and host of the Divine Sexuality Podcast. She has helped thousands of women around the world to great to greater fulfillment in their lives and help others do the same through energy and healing and spirituality. Welcome, Victoria, to the show. Hi, everybody. Um, so, yeah, very different um, conversation piece today because normally we don't talk about this sort of stuff on, on an entrepreneur show, but it's interesting kind of uh, we've had some dealings with, with Victoria before, so it's really cool to have her here. Um, and she's got a very interesting story, and, and part of that's in her book, which we'll talk about. Um, but, Victoria, give me a little bit of a snapshot of your background, because even your the first chapter of your book is bad enough as it is, but um, just give me a bit of background where you came from and where, where you are now. Well, yes, it has been quite the journey. I come from Spain, so I grew up in a dictatorial uh, regime, so it was ultra-conservative. So just to give you an idea, sex was strictly for procreation. So imagine the repression that, that I grew up under. <laughs> it was a very, very different situation from here. Another thing that was very different is that I was the only black face around. So I didn't meet my first friends that were black until I was 14. So it was a very, very different um, Uh, culture, society, and as you can imagine, that really redefined who I was and and determined certain aspects of my life. So coming here to the U.S., of course, was almost like a liberation. And right now, Spain is not like this, but it was quite the journey for sure. Cool. That sounds really cool. Um, So... Part of what you, I guess we don't want to destroy what says what they say in your book about your background and stuff like that. But obviously, you, you um, when you came to the U.S., you didn't come over here in, well, into the U.S. to um, as a as a rich person at all the time, did you? So it was pretty you're pretty poor. Um, how did you survive in those early days? I mean, obviously, part of the entrepreneurial kind of journey is that my theory is that I could put myself in any city with fifty dollars and within six months have a business, right? And Thank you I know that because I've done it twice. <laughs> right? So um, from scratch, no money, like walking and just basically do it from scratch. And, and that's a thing that most entrepreneurs, I think it's almost like survivor. If you could drop them in an in island and they survive, then that's, that's really a, a testament to an entrepreneur. I think if you can't, haven't got the guts to do that, then you shouldn't be an entrepreneur, right? So what, what was the sort of things that you sort of did to get yourself, like obviously you started, did you work? I think you said you said you worked in some movies and stuff. So how did you sort of get started? What yeah, it has been a, a very fun adventure. Um, in Spain, I grew up in the ghetto, so I was already um, kind of familiar to the idea of poverty, mm-hmm. but I made it big in, in television. So I was one of the first black pl- uh, faces in television in Spain. So I had a very good status in Spain, but I didn't feel happy there. So I wanted to move to a different location. And guess what? The other side of the globe. <laughs> like, Why not? Right, as you do. <laughs> I didn't speak English, so that was challenging too. I, I didn't know anybody, so it was kind of challenging. And even though I had my status in Spain, at that time uh, when I came, you know, I just had to start from zero. So one month in and I had like $14 in my pocket. Mm. Okay. I didn't have a car. I I didn't have friends. I didn't have anything just $14 in my pocket. Mm. So uh, I just thought I'm going to just be homeless. (laughs) And in fact, I, I didn't have a place to live, but 
there was a, a savior. So there was a situation in which I was able to stay, start working, and just from the ground up, build my business now here in, in Los Angeles and, and get to a completely different situation for sure. Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, like it's it's a gradual process, but at least if you go to a country that's open to that kind of thing, right? So, in a in a in a country where it's very closed down in terms of capitalism, it's very difficult to to rise up in from from that level, isn't it? So I mean, you. It is tough. I just feel that we have to have the determination to make things happen, and that's essential for an entrepreneur. In I, you know, I I actually came with a friend, and my friend in 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 that one month. He just left. Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the reasons why I ended up homeless, uh, not having a home, not not really living in the street, but just mm. not having a home, because we were sharing the mm. the place, and and he decided to just leave. It Don't you hate that when a friend lets you down, right? It happens in business as well, right? You get all this stuff oh. going. I think partnership. When I used to work in a bank, partnerships was the funny thing. You people would come in. And they would, um, they'd be all, you know, like all happy. I've just started this new business. I've got this new partner. He's so wonderful. We are, she's so wonderful. All that sort of honeymoon period, right? And with six months' time, they're coming in separately, whinging about each other, right? And when one year later, they're broken up in terms of the business is shut down. And, and so I estimate like 90% of partnerships never work. So that's the danger in, in business, I think, is if you, you know, even in personal stuff, but if you, if you sort of rely on someone too much in business, and they decide that they're not that important, then you're gone. You know, like that's it's a dangerous place to get to sometimes. You know what I found out because I I also I mean I have a partnership with my husband for my mm. business. Yeah, that's a legal and, arrangement, right? Oh, not too. <laughs> not too. Um, but I also had other partners that I tried to go into that, mm. and I learned so much the hard way. So yeah. it's super important to have. Um, an understanding of what are the expectations and mm. how much each of the parties want to Im uh, be involved. What are the the standards for each of them mm. to work and dedicate to the to to the company? So unless that is clear from the beginning and in written, it's mm. a disaster because we mm. have in our minds we are talking and it might sound like the same, but mm. it is not. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think if you've got two working partners in a business, that's the hardest part because if someone's just financing it and putting the money in and they, you know their expectations, it's not so bad. When you have two working partners, I remember I think in a bank and I was working in a rural, a rural town and, and the two owners of the business, one guy, he didn't even know his home, the other guy's home number, didn't know where he lived, nothing. He knew nothing about him. Like they went to work and they worked together, but they had nothing to do with each other outside of work. Wow. And that, that relationship lasted, I think they were in business 20 years because they had kept that thing separate. They didn't get in each other's pockets. And wow. so, so I think it's, yeah, it's very important I've seen is that if you're going to get into a partnership, you must be real clear about who what you want. And, and, and I think that's, you know, joint ventures and stuff like that I've seen happen too in business. Like you make a joint venture and then the other person does nothing. And you think, why don't they do anything? Because basically that, you know, they decided that that wasn't as important to them as you thought it was, right? <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. If one person has the priority of family, which is beautiful, mm. um, and the other person has the priority of making sure their business stay, stays afloat, mm. then uh, the person with the interest of family might work half the hours of the, <laughs> than the yeah. other person. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's totally understandable. And as long as it is clear from the beginning, then it's fine. 
Yeah, yeah. But then, of course, uh, sometimes it is not clear. So, so I've got partnerships in a second, but one of my partnerships that I did, which cost me, I think cost me like at least a million dollars, maybe $2 million. Um, and the guy that I went in partnership with, he said something that I should have paid attention to at the time. And that was when he was, he was in a partnership with an older guy. And when the older guy actually had a heart attack and was in hospital and wasn't doing too well, he said he went to hospital, visit him, and he was still working. At that, those days, it was fax machines and stuff. So he had all these faxes and he was still working up until oh. the point where he died, basically, right? And so... The other guy's name was John as well. He actually got freaked out by that and decided that he was never going to work that hard in his life and that he would always go home at like a five o'clock and all that sort of stuff. And of course, the business we went to was was not so a startup. It was very challenging. And he decided every day he'd gone home by five o'clock and suddenly they've got this business partner that doesn't actually doesn't even work the hours. I end up doing all the work, right? And so, yeah, that simple little thing that they said, I should have paid attention to what he said to me because it meant something about his your psyche and the way he operated and nothing wrong with that i mean i'm probably like that now that i will you know yeah. you know not work those hours because but it's where you are in the time of life and where you make those decisions i think is the scary bit so yeah. and i absolutely agree that family is first like i feel that way and at the same time in times of expanding a business there is a little bit more that we sometimes have to put uh, as mm -hmm. long as we keep that uh connection with our families so yeah that's the, the thing. It's not ev always that we need to put everything into the business, but sometimes when we are in times of expansion, like scaling, there are things that might have to get done. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and that's the trouble, isn't it? Like, I think with entrepreneurs is that they don't really, their family doesn't necessarily understand what even they do. So you probably got friends and family that go, what exactly do you do? <laughs> and after right? time you can't tell them, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like you have a different brain almost. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And so, um, so you're sort of, I mean, a lot of, almost your resume reads like three or four people really. Um, you know, like when you look at it. So, Tell me a little bit about healing. So, um, and, and I guess this is more more women related from what I can see in your scenario. But obviously, you probably have men come along as well. But I think women probably is probably where you attract the most attention. Correct? Yeah. So it's so interesting, as you say. Um, women tend to be more interested. Uh, I used to to teach martial arts. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in martial arts, when I was teaching martial arts, ninety percent of my students were male. Yeah. Then I switched to healing arts, and it's the opposite. <laughs> so, well, like, spread yourself out there, right? Like, <laughs> right. Uh, so it totally changed, which was very interesting to me uh, and for my own uh, development. Just because I have a background in general to to be very connected with a masculine energy. Mm -hmm. So that was part of what guided me into going into divine sexuality because I had realized that. I wasn't really understanding the divine feminine and how I can tap into that force within me. So I was mostly working from a place of being a masculine energy and I enjoyed it. I felt strong in it, but I was missing so much. So mm -hmm. the work I do in healing, I started in 2000 in Spain, but then in 2011, I started teaching and everything really Reiki, sound healing, crystal healing, shamanism, and then I... And all the food I, groups there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like having all the food groups there. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I just love the integration. I, I feel that it's almost like a diamond that has different facets. So everything that I learn, I like to understand it in depth and from all different perspectives. So if I just know one aspect, it doesn't satisfy me as much as if I explore everything. And now that I experience everything and I realize something is missing, and this was divine sexuality because as healers, we are so spiritually oriented and so ethereal and so connected with energy that sometimes we forget about our bodies mm-hmm. and about our sexuality. So because of that, I felt a disconnection there and I felt a disconnection from my femininity. So that was the reason why I started exploring and I found about the concept of divine sexuality and that totally transformed my life and how I teach as well. Right. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you just released the podcast, the Divine Sexuality podcast. So, obviously, that's, um, you know, you're welcome to the podcast club. <laughs> I know, I know. I had a radio show for a year. It was mm-hmm. so much work because normally I, I record a lot of videos. So, when I had an interview, like we are doing right now, mm-hmm. I would do this, but then I also created like full workshops for my radio show. <laughs> um, but now I, I hope that I take it easy with my podcast. I share a lot of good content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, I want to make sure that it's sustainable and I can make it a continuous thing in my life. And it's actually interesting because we're sort of in a, a bit of a journey with podcasters at the moment because one of the things that we sort of set a challenge was was how was someone how someone could go from zero to say $5,000 a month in reoccurring income. And oh. so we th- I sort of looked at it and thought, well, there's so many, and you've probably, and I've probably been on this journey as well because you've got plenty of websites and I can see all the different things you're doing. And so there's all these different things you try to do to increase that revenue. So what is the best way to do that? And one of the things we came up with was let's have a show. So that could be a podcast or it could be a show, which is like a radio show or a you know, Facebook live show. But have a, a process to be able to take someone from a subscriber, if you like, or even a viewer that doesn't even, you don't even know who they are, to get them to subscribe, to get start communicating with them, to actually sell them something from, from your side, being a membership or something like that. So that's kind of our journey with podcasting because I've been in podcasting. I think you asked me how long. And I can't even remember. It's about five years, maybe longer. Um, because I've done different podcast channels and stuff like that. <clears throat> but I think at the end of the day, the podcast is booming because when you look at it, there's about, I think there's billions, I don't know how many websites, there are billions of them. Um, there's only about 800,000 active podcasts. And so wow. that's, it's like you've gone back to pre-Windows days where, you know, the computers still look like a black screen, right? Because it's still early days and there's very little standards really with podcasting. And so everybody's kind of making their own rules up and so we wanted to kind of work on a theory that we could say, well, how do we take someone from that from zero to five thousand dollars a month? And that's kind of our journey to figure this out with people and work out what the best way. But I think if you if you want to start anything, I think a podcast, besides a bit of techie stuff, as you, you we've talked about, um, mm-hmm. is a bit confusing. But the actually process is pretty simple. Really, you just record something, put it up there, and connect, and it's done. And I think that's a really quick way to communicate with someone without having to worry about. You know what? You know, for chicks, it's worse than men because basically I can just come here and come on screen. But you know, most of the girls have got to do a bit of work there, right? And I had one client who was actually, you know, like with the with the COVID stuff. You know, she's not even had haircut for like three months. Like it's starting to look bad. So I think at the end of that's such a quick little medium to do, um, and it's flexible. You don't have to worry about you know you set your own schedule. And I think that's really what I think podcasting is. If someone hasn't done a podcast or thinking about it, I think. Um, it's worth doing it now because it's still a growth industry. I mean, in 
maybe in 10 years time it'll be like you know like websites and be so many of them won't matter but right now i think it's the best opportunity ever just to stand out in a market that's not that crowded yeah good to start now and your platform is great because it allows for that community which Mm. is so important because otherwise in apple podcast I mean, it's very nice and everybody access it from the car uh, and everything. But at the same time, being able to create that community, I feel is super powerful. So I'm super excited for your platform, for sure. Yeah, and I think that's the secret is the problem is that most people um, create something like a show or something like that, but they never put any background into it in terms of how that customer journeys from and you get subscribers. So you look at a TV channel, they're getting people to watch, getting subscribers and they advertise to them. It's pretty yeah. simple, right? Mm-hmm. And podcasts should work the same way. And I don't think people think about that. They sort of start off a little bit too high moral ground and don't ever think about the fact that, yeah, you've got to make money out of this, otherwise it's not viable. If somebody's not pay- ultimately making some money, then you're going to give up because it's not really, you know, you know, not paying the bills. So You know, and that, that was part of what happened to me because I was with my school, so that was a big responsibility. I teach maybe like 400, 500 people a year, so that was a huge responsibility for me. And then the, the radio show I had, that I put a lot into it. So mm-hmm. I, I would teach full workshops in it, but I never thought of monetizing anything. Mm-hmm. So I just did it because I wanted to share. I wanted to share. But of course, you know, it's only one of me. So <laughs> what happened yeah. that I couldn't sleep so that I can get things done? And at this end, you know, after a year, I had to stop. So now understanding that this can be a little bit more sustainable, that's a great advantage because now we can share more with people and then there is an opportunity to connect with our tribe, our crowd, and that's amazing. I'm super mm. excited for sure. I think you'd have much more intimate relationship with them as well in comparison, not probably not as intimate as you're doing, but you know what I mean? Like you can basically have uh, a way of kind of being in their ear, which is very different. It's much like having a telephone conversation with someone or something like that. It's it's a very much more intimate um, environment, yeah. I think, podcasting. Um, and I started doing going walks in the morning. I did one this morning, and it's freezing cold out there. <laughs> and and so basically, I've, I've I decided to start listening to podcasts because bizarrely, in some respects, I don't listen to podcasts that much anymore because I don't have time. Right, mm-hmm. I don't have that break, that thirty minute time scale to be able to get around to doing something. So I'm starting to watch, listen to podcasts, so it takes me mind off the fact it's so damn cold. <laughs> and and so um, I listened to again one this morning. So basically I'm starting to sort of re-get used to that scenario because I used to drive a lot and I could listen to a lot of that stuff. I used to basically university on wheels sort of thing. And now I don't have that time frame set. So I think it's important in some respects, just as an entrepreneur, is to try and find that 30 minutes a day, do something mm-hmm. that takes you out of what you do, um, and listen to something that's mostly educational, but something that will actually yeah. give you ideas. And, and out of those three or four days I've been walking in the last week or so, tons of ideas have come out of that um, that I probably would have missed in that situation. So I really love it. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't very familiar. I remember when I had my radio show, some of the people following it were asking me, put it in podcast, please. And I was mm. like, what's that? What's that? <laughs> so I didn't really understand what was the, the beauty of it. But now I can see so much value in it because it's truly really like keeping this conversation. Mm. So when I listen to a podcast, I can, I can feel that I'm, I'm up to date with that person. It's easy to access. And I really enjoy it. I feel it's a great platform for sure. Yeah, and I think it's going a long way, long way to go. And once the, some sort of standards come out of it, it'll be more interesting. So, um, so you're, where are you situated? In Los Angeles, right? 
Yes, I'm in Los Angeles County, so I'm near the. Um, well, I'm not going to give you my address. Yes, there you go. Near damn Los Angeles, just a small place, right? <laughs> but yeah, near near the San Gabriel Valley, and it's I love it here because mm. I mean I love Madrid, Spain, where I grew up, and at the same time here there is so much nature, so I can go to the mountains easily. I see the blue sky all the time. I can go to the beach if I choose to. So that's what really captivated me. Even mm. though the the industry, Hollywood, right? Because yeah. I was in television and all of that. Mm. And I was living in Hollywood actually for a few years. The noisiest place ever. <laughs> I know. I didn't realize until now that I live the here. The sirens. That I was living up just, I lived in Hollywood for about, a, West Hollywood for about a month and just the sirens never stop. <laughs> Well, West Hollywood has nothing to do with Hollywood. Hollywood no, <laughs> true. Five yes. or ten times that. Yeah. West Hollywood is actually really nice. It was mm. the first place that I been to, the first time I came in 2000, and I fell in love with it. Mm. Hollywood is nice, but it's a lot more hustle there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, like the interesting thing with Los, Los Angeles is that, um, and I've been there a few times now, is that and the taxi driver or whatever said to me one day, said, it's pretty much like this every day. Right, so it's pretty much the same same temperature, the same. There's hardly any clouds. It's like it's it's quite an interesting place because you're basically living in a desert, um, and so yeah. it, you know it's quite interesting that you know like the, the weather stays exactly the same. Like in Sydney, we go through cold weather, warm weather, really hot weather, um, and it's like it's every three months it changes. So it's kind of like you know, just hanging out for for summer usually because winter's not. I don't like winter. <laughs> That's like in Spain. In Spain, we also go through the seasons, and mm. I I wish to skip winter always. Mm. So here I skip winter. Yeah, so I'm going to make enough money not to have to spend win winter in Sydney. Um, well, so, in terms of so what you're doing now, so you're running classes. This is that you do. So you obviously you're, um, so basically it puts more pressure on yourself to do a podcast as well. Um, but so you run live classes. Is that something like a, like a workshop kind of stuff? What, what, how does that work for you? So I like to work at a deeper level. So mm -hmm. normally what I do is that I teach mentorships. Mm -hmm. So I train people to become healers, to become shamanic practitioners, to become shamanic teachers, to become divine sexuality facilitators. And then of course I work with people who just want to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. So I work at different levels or clients that want to come for sessions. I, I, I like to be able to provide for everybody. And at the same time, I like the idea of training facilitators and teachers and practitioners because I feel that then I'm creating more of an impact in the world. Mm -hmm. So I do that in person, and then also I have online courses as well. Cool. So, I mean, you really, uh, in some respects, it's uh, the whole kind of, like in some respects, you're a bricks and mortar in some respects because you've got people coming to see you, right? Although That's lately it's probably not so good. But um, but mostly people come see you, and then you kind of transition into an online side of as well, which it, it, which is interesting. Right now, it's, it's the only thing. Right now, it's everything online. And then yeah, I have... and it's it's a big change. And I think yeah. I was just the actually it's just the podcast this morning it was very interesting. The, basically, his idea was that the World, World War Two is now finally over. Because basically, it's taken seventy five years for the world to sort of get over it, and actually, wow. and it sort of slowed everything down. So everything was much slower in the last seventy five years than the preceding times. Not as not many things got invented, things like that. And so what it's done is sped things up now. 
So it's almost like it's released the world to actually start developing more and more things. And so one of the things, obviously, was online. And, and yeah. things like Zoom, boom, you know, Zoom chairs went through the roof and it's because people suddenly needed that technology. And apparently in, back in the 1920s, um, TVs, not TVs, actually TVs were an event, um, they got more electricity, they got more radio into the houses mm. because obviously they had to stay shut up for three months and, or longer. And so at the end of the day, those things boomed, you know, and, and that's, you can see this happening again. The, the online is now booming because people can't go anywhere. And all of these speakers, clients of mine, they were purely going out and doing conferences and speaking. They were out of business. Yeah, and we need to redirect our, our efforts, our energy, and our focus to the things that are going to help us now. So I, I have noticed that. And all my classes are right now online. So my students that I have for a full year, we're just meeting online. We just meet more often because mm. it's just not enough to meet once a month. Yeah. We need to meet a couple of times, but it is working really well. And I feel that it's bringing a new dimension to our connection and to the, the development of the training. So I feel that these are very positive things in many ways. A lot of people mm. is frustrated and scared. I understand because it's taking us out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And at the same time, it's developing parts of ourselves that we didn't have to develop before. So I feel this, mm. I agree. I think it's a, a, a a step forward for sure and i think it puts a spotlight on what's not working and it's just hidden away you know like so um some bi businesses i was reading in paper like um you know celebrity chefs where they had all these expensive restaurants obviously they were suffer they suffered the most out of this because basically you know people's got no money and they're not going out right and i think it, it made it made sense that suddenly those things were not something that may not come back that these chefs wow. will go out of business and they won't come back because really at the end of the day it was is really a novelty thing that that eventually would fade out anyway. And a lot of these celebrity chefs start restaurants, and I've seen them in Sydney too, they start restaurants, and within six months, the restaurant's gone broke because the initial people come in, but then there's not enough to sustain it. So I think a lot of the businesses that were probably on in death rows anyway, it brought it's forward that scenario, unfortunately, and it probably finished them off quicker than probably they would have liked to have been. But the reality is it, it may very well push them in a different direction, and I think a lot of people have changed directions. It is not an easy situation for sure. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I feel for people that are in this place that they don't know what is the next step. It is mm. a tough situation. So we have to acknowledge that for sure. Mm. If we are able to move beyond that fear and find a solution, as you mentioned, you know, it, it can be a, a very powerful new path that we follow. Yeah. And I think that's, and, and I guess with, with healing, it's an interesting thing because I think, what I've seen in the past, and and, and if watch any sort of any like Tony Robbins stuff or whatever, is the reality is what the reason most people do things every day is because of something in the past or something that they haven't got over, and they're replaying re it all the time, and they're basically that's what's holding them back a lot of times. They'll look at it and go, well, I'm not going to do that, and because of this, and this happened to me 20 years ago, and so I'm not going to not going to do that. So I'm not going to have any friends, or do you know what I mean? Like you have something that they believe in, and they're so basic and you're so obvious but to them it's not and i think that whole healing process of being able to recognize those things and deal with them and then move on is, is the probably the tricky bit it's you know it's so interesting because as as everything has started and it's something at a global scale so i speak with my family in spain i speak with friends that have businesses around the world and we are all going through this 
as a global community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are all put to heal. We're in this together, right? <laughs> this like, mess together. <laughs> exactly. It's like either you heal and go through, you know, mm-hmm. your barriers, your limitations, your fears, or you're stuck. Mm-hmm. So we have to take the step right now. It's like it's a, like an initiation. In shamanism, we work through initiations. So we see any challenge in our lives. Like I had a near-death experience, for example, I drowned in the ocean. Mm-hmm. So that's an initiation. It was mm. super hard. It was super scary. But as I was able to return, there was a learning from it. Mm. So when mm. we are put in a situation that is uh, really challenging, we, we truly can, can have a catalyst effect from that. And that's what we're going through. Mm. So it is up to us to make peace with it and say, okay, you know, I'm going to see, be open to the opportunity. Crisis, the word crisis in Japanese and Chinese, right, is mm. opportunity. Yes. So <laughs> it's danger and opportunity. It mm. means both things because the, the danger can um, encompass an opportunity if we are able to, to pass the fear. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like a lot of people blame you know and, and you know like the current crisis is one thing but blame a, a certain situation for for their outcome and then use that over and over again rather than saying well okay there's an opportunity now to kind of make something better of it be stronger and i think it's yeah. very interesting because i'm watching a lot of business people now when they're coming back to their businesses and one particular business which i'm not going to mention exactly but where i go to a lot he hasn't changed anything he's gone back to his existing ways he's you know he had three months to to do so many things in his business he could have done Yet when he comes back, he's basically doing exactly the way he did before. And mm-hmm. I said to him, you've got paper in your business. With the current scenario, you shouldn't really have paper and pens in your business. Uh, because." And when I went there the next day, there was no paper or pens. They were using mobile phones. So the reality was he realized that, obviously, people have put pressure on him to change that. And I think the danger here with, with small business or, of owners is that don't go back to the old way of doing things. This is an opportunity to sort of relook at everything revisit everything and actually make change that people will accept in comparison to before. So you can actually blame it on the crisis, right? (laughs) Oh, I've got to do this because of this. The reality is you actually wanted to do it anyway. But I think that's the change is if you don't change from from a crisis and you just go, and it's very easy to drop back to your old ways. It's it's natural. It's safe, right? Right. It's the only way to evolve, to really go beyond. And I'm seeing there in your screen behind you, evolve. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Came. And, that, and that was yeah. And that was an interesting journey because basically we went from a scenario where we were selling accounting software, and that evolve name was part of that. Huh. And so the company evolved, like we evolve, like we prove what we do, right? So part of the process was that this company has evolved from being an accounting software supplier to a marketing supplier to a software developer to a publisher. We've evolved all the time, constantly changing and, and taking advantage of situations, but keeping the foundation there. And I think that's the difference with a lot of entrepreneurs is they think that if they do the same thing every day for 10 years that they're getting any better. They're not. Right? You're actually just doing the same thing every day. You, know, you haven't got 10 years experience. you just got one year's experience. Wow. Yeah, we really need to, to see what is out there and continuously, I mean, especially now with internet, like mm. new things are all the time coming up. So unless we keep up with, with the times, it's not going to... You know, we're not going to continue in business. We basically have to continue reinvent ourselves. And I think one of the things that like, Facebook's working with and playing around with is virtual virtual reality. So, you know, at some point, and they've shown it, at, you know, a couple of years ago where they actually did a virtual reality 
scenario. So you look at the Zoom opportunity where people Zoom suddenly came in and got went wild. Facebook's brought out this new messenger rooms thing. That's a transition to moving to virtual reality. So you could have a virtual Facebook. Can you imagine what that would be like, right? That's um, awesome. um, but I think also from their, their research and everything is that essentially the concept of everybody seeing your stuff isn't necess- isn't where it's going to be. It's going to be more private. So you look at Facebook groups. They, the, Facebook loves groups because groups get people together. So po- podcasts can create a podcast group. So I think if you think about it, the world isn't getting wider, it's getting narrower because the people that you want to talk to in that smaller group. And so I think if you look at virtual reality, you look at all the, all that sort of technology, it's, that's why it's moving is to have that more intimate, closer relationship with, with less people that you can relate to. And I think that's the the danger of people going out and just thinking that they can just be everything to everyone because you can't. I say a lot of times, we do a book with someone and we say, who are you writing the book for? Oh, just everyone. So if you, if you, I know, I know. I, I've been guilty of that. Yeah, and so you end up in a situation where you're nothing to no one. If you're, if you're going to be everyone, if you're, everyone's your client, then you're nothing to no one. And mm-hmm. I think the danger is, is you've got to figure that out. And I think that's and – it, and it's interesting. You're probably in the same with your journey, right? You, you probably look back and go – um, and you look like a pin in time and go back 10 years and go, well, where was it there? There Could I imagine being here now? No, you couldn't. But these little tiny, tiny decisions along the way got you there. And you're probably meant to be there, but you don't <laughs> You realize where you're going, right? It is all part of the journey, so I'm happy. But for sure, I feel like, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I have like 10 different websites. Do you know that? Yeah, I know that. <laughs> it's like, uh, I like and I had 40, so I'll beat you, you like. And we, what? And, yeah, I had like 40 websites okay. running. Finally, I know somebody more crazy than me. That's yeah, good. <laughs> and, and you know what? Um, I think the danger there is it's very important. Is when I looked at your websites and stuff and I go, wow, that's a lot of maintenance, right? So That's the problem. Absolutely. And, and, and then, of course, what happens is, and some people don't put the auto updates on their um, uh copyrights down the bottom so it says copyright 2002 right so you know they haven't been back there for a long time and it's part of what we developed our platform was for this entrepreneurial seizure where you would end mm-hmm. up with multiple websites so i went from 40 to about 20 i think a bit less than that now oh, that's good. all on the same platform and so the idea was that it's very interesting because what people do is they create websites i used to create websites for products because it was easier than trying to do a brochure and oh. and so it's like you've got to kind of be careful because if you build it, that doesn't that necessarily they, they come. And so getting focused on what you're about and then making sure that you pull up the, the bridge behind you, that you don't leave stuff behind <laughs> that, that basically people find because I guarantee they'll find your old website before they find your new one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a serial webmaster. Like, I love it. I have a, a new idea. I have to look for the domain and build it. But I learned the lesson. It's too much maintenance. So I'm doing my best to just focus everything on victoriavives.com. Yeah. Because that's that's me. The other are just my ideas. So mm. it's just going to be better. Like <laughs> yeah. the same with healing, you know, I still teach other things, but I'm going to focus more on divine sexuality because it has been what has brought the, the greatest results to my clients. So I just want to to offer what is at the top of, of the healing that I offer. And that's interesting. Like, if you look, you want to um, sort of unpack that a little bit, right? Most small businesses, and we did the same thing. You go broad. You go as wide as you can, and you try and attract as many people as you can. So you go lots of lots of websites, lots of stuff, and then what you realise is that only some of it works. Sometimes mm-hmm. none of it works, but it's like the eighty twenty rule. Twenty percent of it will work. 
the other 80% will look, you know, even the best websites in the world usually don't, don't necessarily, they'll tank on you. And then you start focusing. So that word focus is interesting because what I find is the, the closer and closer you get to that one person you can help, the better chance you've got of helping lots more people rather than the other way around of trying to attract all these different scenarios and thinking, well, okay, if I just, like if you were trying to do your workshop and you said, like, I'm going to attract men, that would be hard work, right? And you could mm -hmm. easily make a mistake like that and think the wrong Actually, thing. Actually, you know, it's so interesting because mm. I teach divine sexuality for women because I'm a woman mm. and I understand my sexuality and how I went through different processes from being in Spain in this uh, ultra-conservative regime to mm. be now here and being married for 13 years. So I learn about myself, but I don't feel I can help men in the same way mm. but actually i have a lot of men that reach out and ask me mm. because they have uh, a little bit of challenge understanding women's sexuality so it's something that i feel i could help with yep. but not yet <laughs> yeah and, and i think that's that's a focus right so you, if you focus on one thing and then you can move on to the next one without with, with knowing for well what's going to work and i think that's the is the trick in business is that and i think you know the whole crisis thing with the, with the virus is the same situation it's forced people into focusing on things stuff that they may not actually want to focus on right like their health or their wellness or stuff like that so i think it's 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 good in some respects to kind of have that kind of um crisis and i think that's what people do i mean i used to be old saying i used to say it's like every so often life has a habit of thumping you on the back of the head mm. all right and so suddenly something happens you go oh that can't be good but the reality is life is kind of saying, hey, look, it, look, you got too, too complacent here. You need to do something. Um, so thump you on the back of the head and get your, get your attention. And then you'll, you'll either deal with it or you just ignore it and have, keep, keep having a headache, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, All right, so, so um, we're coming up to, up to an hour, so we've got to stop. All right, so um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about, um, so you've got, so we've got the podcast. So your website, victoriavibes.com, is probably the best place Vives, to Vives. I'm from oh, Spain, oh, so it's advice. it sounds like vibes. But it's it's like vibes. So I think I'm Australian and we're going to call it Vives. Huh? Every, everybody here in the US read it like vibes, so I'm yeah, totally used yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the easiest name, but <laughs> it's, know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. We just have to get used to it. Yeah, it's not going to ever spell that. All right, so <laughs> um, tell me what... If someone wants to get in touch with you, tell me the probably the best way. You, you talked about a, a little ebook you've got currently called um, Divine Sexuality, right? Yes, I love to get in touch with my audience and with new people. So I'm super, uh, in general, super um, accessible. Like mm -hmm. on social media, I'm all over the place, like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, everything. But the best way. And you actually tried the new library out that I suggested to you too, so it was quite a cool. Yes, which is really cool. I'm very excited about that. Thank you for that. So the best way to to start understanding more about divine sexuality and start hearing from me more and start our relationship would be to go to victoriavives.com forward slash divine. So I'm going to spell it. <laughs> V-I-C-T-O-R-I-A, V as in victory, I vsmvictoryes.com forward slash divine. So in that way, you can download my free ebook, which is Divine Sexuality, different from the bestseller, which is yeah. in a matter of seconds. <laughs> and that, that book will give you all the foundation for divine sexuality. And we can start getting in touch because I also have a Facebook group that women can join for free to enter the community, the sisterhood. 
Mm, nice. Great work. And I think, um, yeah, if you like, grab a matter of seconds because I think it's an interesting backstory of what, you know, your journey and stuff. So um, and I think the first chapter sort of gets you. So <laughs> go from there. So that's that one there. So if you're, for the people actually watching the video, they can see the thing. Otherwise, if you listen to audio, well, you'll have to watch the video. <laughs> yeah, it's a very nice um, cover. So you yeah. have to check it out. Yeah, it's very, uh, very unique color. It's, and the brand is quite nice. So I think... Um, you know, it's a great, mm-hmm. um, great place to start. And I think that's probably another subject we would have got into was a bit about branding because I know you, you like design and stuff like that. And that's, um, it's, it's a good thing to be in business to make sure you've got good design, good branding and keep consistent. I love that. Yeah, I, I, you know, with the webmaster um, thing that I have in graphic design, mm-hmm. I, I work as a graphic designer, not very much, mostly for myself, really. Mm-hmm. But I just love everything to look cohesive. And I feel that it speaks for itself. Mm. So it makes people feel in a certain way and it transmits a message. So I feel that branding is essential for companies. And I think, I think what, what I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs who have really bad websites sometimes. And, and <laughs> so like looking at things, it doesn't cost much more to make it look nice. Right? <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, a lot of people, nowadays it's like a given right you know 20 years ago 10 years ago even you could get away with a badly looking website because a lot of people had them but reality is nowadays you need a good looking website because without looking professional and clean people are going to think well okay they're backyard they're not you know straight first impressions do count it's like book covers you know people say Mm -hmm. oh you can't judge a book by its cover but you do right in fact you normally judge a book by its sleeve like when you're looking at shops so (laughs) It's, it's even worse. So, yeah. yeah, unless the, the person has already a, a foundation. Like I have some of my teachers don't have the most fancy website, mm. but um, they have been teaching for, you know, 50 years, mm. 40 years. So they already have a strong foundation. They have the first websites that were available. So it is, it is okay. They can get away with it. Yeah. But Mm. For um, for people that is more new, they really need to present themselves in a in a way that is in harmony with the the times that we are living. Yeah, and also in in harmony with who they are and what they are. So you know, in some cases we see websites where they basically are um, not what they are. Like when you talk to the person, it's totally different. It's almost like someone else did it. They're either bipolar or someone <laughs> else did the website most likely. Someone else wrote <laughs> all the stuff friend. for them. They never got involved, right? And, and I think that's the danger is it, the website's got to reflect your personality. It's got to reflect who you are. Um, at the same time, it, you, you know, your first impressions, you know, people, average time on websites, probably seven, eight seconds. So you've got no time to muck around. <laughs> yeah, I would say two seconds. Like some yeah. people, I mean, we have so much information, so many websites, mm. and we don't, don't have so much time with social media and everything. We don't take the time. Yeah, if you don't it's grab their attention, you're gone. And I'll forget about you from then on. So very cool. So thank you so much for coming. It's, it's, I think we had a couple of false starts here to get this show on the road, so it's really good. It's probably better timing <laughs> now. You know, like I think six or eight, I think six months ago we're going to do this, and I think it's better now that you've got some more stuff on there and you've got much more focus on what you want to, what you do. So I think it's great. I agree. That's true. That's true. Thank you for reminding me that. Yeah, because I think you were sick on the day or something from memory, and and um and so maybe the universe was saying, "Hey, don't come on the show yet. You got a, something else to do beforehand." Yeah, I'm excited. This is perfect timing. All right, so cool. So um, we'll put up the links and everything for um, Victoria's websites and stuff like that. So you, if you don't remember, it's okay. Come to the thing and pick it up. If you like the show, then do it. Um, please give us a review, um, and uh, we'll I'll talk to you again soon, Victoria. Okay, thank you so much for having me and thank you for everybody listening and watching. Thank you, bye.
Thanks heaps. Talk to you soon.